HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. In the Tuxpan region of Jalisco, like in many regions of Mexico, agave spirits are integrated into the fabric of daily life. They're part of the religion, literally, the spirits, and they're almost always called some form of mezcal locally, even though they are not certified. The spirits are served at every one of the community's many religious fiestas. So when the production of these spirits is at risk, literally, the cultural heritage of the entire community is at risk. And that's what's happening in one community in Tuxpan. Don Arturo is a fifth-generation mescalero, or palenquero, or tabanero, or really tachiquero, because that's what his family calls their little distillery, a tachica. It was built by Don Arturo's father, who learned the craft from his father, who learned the craft from his father. And add one more father, because Don Arturo is, as I say, fifth generation. So Don Arturo's Tachica is a hillside gem, a couple of clay-topped steel pot stills, in-ground fermenters, and an earthen oven overlooking a forested hillside. But that hillside is eroding. The rains from the extreme weather that has been plaguing the region in recent years is literally washing away Don Arturo's little distillery and threatening to take with it the community's cultural heritage. With the financial support we're receiving from 818 Tequila, Sacred is rebuilding Don Arturo's family tachica. Or really what we're doing is we're fortifying it so as not to interrupt that heritage. We're rebuilding and reinforcing the hillside that has been eroded, creating a retaining wall that will secure the location. Above that, to serve as a buffer for the weakest part of the earth, we're building a modest tasting room where the locals can sit and enjoy the view of that forested hillside when they come to purchase Don Arturo's Vino de Mezcal. And we're building a structure around Don Arturo's earthen oven so that his tapatas are no more at the whim of the changing weather patterns than his rebuilt tachica will be. This effort to preserve Don Arturo's family business and the cultural heritage of this community in Southern Jalisco is only possible because of a grant sacred received from 818 Tequila. To learn more about this and the other projects 818 Tequila is funding, please visit us at sacred.mx. That's sacred.mx. The earth is home to all of us, and we're honored to have been selected by 818 Tequila as their partner in making it a more welcoming home. I'm Lou Bank. I am Chava Perivan. And I'm Ryan Acock, the Cocktail MD. And this is Agave Road Trip, the award-winning podcast 
What, what do we do? I've forgotten. It's been so long since we recorded. Oh, that helps uh, bring ex bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. But I think in these specific episodes, we should say assists, not helps. Assists. Gringo bartenders. It's a, what do you mean by that, Java? That sounds more medical to me, right? Like in, 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 in a medical context, you assist, you don't help? Is that a more accurate, Ryan, or am I just crazy? I, I don't know anyone who's ever applied for medical school and said, I want to assist people. It's always, <laughs> I want to help people. <laughs> nice. Okay, I get that. Well, okay, well, we're going to help assist them today um, by talking about, how, how are you feeling this morning, Java? Fortunately, I'm feeling fresher than I was feeling yesterday. But I have to say that yesterday I was rather miserable. And why were you rather miserable yesterday, Chava? Because some smart John person... Darby. You can just say John Darby. Well, no, I'm going to blame you for this. John was just <laughs> doing what, the thing that whatever uh, mezcal-loving, nice person will do. He arrived with 20 bottles of mezcal to my house that you had collected between San Luis Potosí and Durango and other places. And yeah. the good man wanted to, to show me what you guys have been up to. So I complied. Yeah, yeah, the, the key, the key was show you. You should have looked at it. But what yes. did you do, Chava? Well, I decided that you know it is spirits. If you look at them, they're just a lot of clear-looking liquids, and uh, I decided to try them. And I mean, all, mine, all twenty. I did not try all twenty because I wouldn't be here with you, and maybe that's <laughs> going to be another episode called conge alcoholic congestions and ways to die with alcohol. But what happened to me is that I consumed a significant amount of alcohol that felt good that day. But then the next day, <laughs> I, uh, I, can, I can tell you some of the symptoms that I guess we're going to be discussing further ahead. But I had a terrifying uh, headache. Uh, my stomach was not feeling that nice. You know, I was not feeling like I wanted to have a nice, nice uh, lean breakfast. Uh, I was feeling with a lot of thirst. And my my head was just very cloudy, and I just wanted to stay in bed all day. And still, I had to go have lunch with my parents and eat Japanese, which helped a little bit. So okay, so so Ryan, does that yeah. sound to you like an actual hangover, or am I pretending? Yeah. Am I am I just trying? Am I just being like a like a crying baby? No, I, I don't know anyone who would pretend to have a hangover. That sounds pretty rough. Well, yeah, to right. get out of to get out of lunch with your parents, no. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, no, I love my parents. I will, no, what? No. <laughs> so, okay. So what exactly then, Doc, what is a hangover? Yeah, so there's a, a group here in the United States called the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. That is through the National Institutes of Health. And so they gave a very generic definition of, quote, a hangover refers to a set of symptoms that occur as a consequence of drinking too much. <laughs> And so then they go on to talk about you can have symptoms like weakness and headache and muscle aches and nausea. So basically all the things that Java is referring to, as well as like vertigo, which is the room is spinning around you. And, yeah, you, and you, so there's have, a lot of it. You have to put a warm feet down your bed. So uh, you, you have like some grounding. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've all been there. Yeah. So... Right. So one thing about hangover is it, it varies from person to person. So you can't just come up with one singular definition for everyone and say, this is a hangover and this is not a hangover. It's essentially you drank too much and then the next day you feel horrible for whatever reason, <laughs> however you define so, feeling horrible as. So, th so there's, no, um, there's no unique person where the symptoms would actually make them feel better. <laughs> 
Yeah, I can't imagine someone waking up the next day after drinking too much and be like, I feel great. I'm ready to go conquer the world. <laughs> well, well, like maybe because I remember when I was 17 and I was able to do terrible things to my body in terms of uh, amounts of drinking. And the next day I wasn't feeling great, but I wasn't feeling that bad. Like the symptoms that I have these days are significantly different to what I used to feel back then. Is that just Ryan, Doc? I'm not yeah. going to ask Chava. He won't know the answer to this. <laughs> I hope you do. So is that just a matter of as you get older, you get weaker? What is that? No, I don't I don't think that's true. So, for example, we all change with time. And the first time I ever had vertigo, I was in my late 30s. And that had nothing to do with drinking alcohol. But it's just different health problems come about at different ages. And so if if uh, you were 21 and experiencing headaches and now at, at 31, you're now experiencing vertigo, well, okay, that's still a hangover, but maybe that's just your different way of experiencing it. It's not built in obsolescence. Like we were all built, we were like designed to just fall apart at some point. We're all going to fall apart at some point, And that's, that's actually the goal and the dream of some geriatricians is that you live to be 80 in perfect health, and then you rapidly decline and go to your grave. So that way, you'll have your obsolescence at one point. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I, see, I see that. But I, and I think like I was actually reading, like just to follow up on this part of age, because I think this is a very common complaint of a lot of people that I know, right? A lot of the kids that, uh, yeah, that I grew up with, they always complain that their hangovers are getting worse by the year. And something that I read at some point was that it is sometimes that it's not, somebody was saying like, at 50 now, I have terrible hangovers. And the argument was, well, we hope you're not drinking the same amounts as you were drinking when you were 18. So because you're not drinking that often, your body is not as used to the experience of a hangover. So if you drink a smaller amount, you're going to feel a lot worse than when you were used to having this uh, this thing in your body all the time. Does that sound like make, it makes sense? Yeah, that would make sense. So if you're, so uh, most, you think about 19 to 21 year olds that are going to be in college and going to be drinking pretty heavily on the weekend, whereas at my age, that's not going to happen. So I've still got responsibilities, even if I'm not at work the next day. So I'm not going to go and drink five cocktails. And if I did try that, I would be quite sick the next day. So Sure, that makes sense if your if your tolerance went down with age because you just don't drink as much as you used to. Hmm. Okay, okay, okay. And, okay. and so what? I mean, I, I get that the the cause of the hangover is you drank a lot, <laughs> but but yeah. what's what does that actually mean? Ah, uh, yeah. Like what what is actually yeah, so, a hangover? Yeah. Or yeah. So the the uh, the short answer is we don't know. So there is there's a lot. I of know I don't know. Ideas. That's why I asked you, Ryan. <laughs> Yeah, so there are a lot of ideas that get put out there. So one is you'll hear about congeners. So does does a brown spirit like whiskey make you sicker than a cleaner spirit like vodka, which is supposed to be just ethanol and water? Another thing is has to do with wait 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 that, wait, wait you didn't explain what a congener yeah. is though. What is a congener? Yeah, so congener is everything that's not ethanol and and water. So it's the tannins from the wood aging, for example, the various oh. esters that come in from your fermentation process. So that those are your congeners, and yeah, there's some evidence of that that drinking bourbon can give a worse hangover than drinking vodka. There was an actual study where where 95 people in Germany were given whiskey versus uh, vodka, and the whiskey drinkers had a worse time than the vodka drinkers. So uh, You mean the next day sure, or the, like while yeah, the they were day. drinking? Because I would think the whiskey guys would be having more fun than the vodka guys. 
No, no now, offense, been... vodka guys. Don't send me hate mail. I've got enough of that already. Yeah, so that that is an actual study that happened. Which how that ever got past an ethical review board committee is beyond me. And and a lot of the studies <laughs> that we're going to talk about today, I I just shake my head and think like I can't imagine a university approving this. But is it, a is lot it, of them get through. Is it possible it was the review board that were the ninety five people? Like they just figured it was a free night of drinking? No, <laughs> no. So these are. These are, you have to go out and, and recruit, they, they call them young adults. I imagine these are all college <laughs> students. That's what I can, I can only imagine where they're finding people to say, you know, we're going to get you drunk tonight. And then, and then tomorrow you have to tell us how sick you are and then come back in a week and do the same thing all over again. Hmm. Yeah. yeah and, 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 just, and just, you know, Lou, uh, this is actually like, this is a very strict process of approval. So this is not like some like gimmicky, uh, situation that they put together that's why ryan is surprised that it's actually something that got a conclusion right ryan <laughs> yeah so an institutional review board by by definition is going to be very conservative on allowing researchers to do anything with humans so even something as simple as a survey where i'm not actually experimenting on on someone a survey might take two to three months to get through an institutional review board it might get kicked back to me several times asking how would you word this question and why would you ask people this question so that we can then experiment on people with something that we think is harmful getting people drunk and looking for a hangover I, I just get surprised that that ever makes it through some of these institutional review boards but we're going to talk about several of these studies today so <laughs> Beautiful. So they all happened. Okay. So so okay. What other studies do you have for us to talk about? Yeah. So that was the first one. Is 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 congeners going to play a role in a hangover? So maybe. All right. So something else is that the way alcohol works is by inhibiting what's called antidiuretic hormone. So this back up to what your kidneys do. Your the primary role of your kidneys is to make urine. That's it. So it, yeah, it filters out stuff and it, it creates certain hormones. But the number one thing that your kidneys do is it takes all the fluid that's swimming around in your blood vessels and it makes urine from that. Mm. If you don't do anything to your kidneys, you're going to make gallons of urine a day. And that's going to make you quite dehydrated. So there's something called an antidiuretic hormone that tells your kidneys, stop making so much urine and retain that water. Well, alcohol inhibits that antidiuretic hormone. So you go back to the beginning where now you're just producing all this urine. And that's one of the reasons why you hear about people breaking the seal because they're, they're now getting drunk and they're having to go to the bathroom so much. Part of that has to do with the antidiuretic hormone inhibition. So hmm. if you pee a whole bunch, the idea is now you're going to be dehydrated. So maybe that hangover has to do with being dehydrated and maybe you could drink more water and that might help you with your hangover. Maybe. So Yeah, but at the same if, time, you're drinking yeah. a lot of water and you're drinking alcohol and you're going more to the bathroom. So you're just right. like, you're, you're throwing a lot of water into a body that wants to take it away. To take it out, no? In in part. So there's hmm. there's a limit to how much your kidneys are going to filter out oh. and produce urine. So if you drink enough water, yeah, you're going to, uh, eventually you're going to hold on to some of that. But at the end of the day, I don't think you're going to drink enough to prevent you from getting a hangover. You know, so, we, we, yeah, so that's, we used to, we used to have, uh, me and, me and the, the fellas used to have a, a theory that we would drink for every glass of alcohol, a glass of water. That's good or that's nonsense? <laughs> no, that's a good idea. And the problem is, I don't know, because that study has never been done before on can you drink enough water to prevent you from getting the hangover? Hmm. Maybe, based off of how we know alcohol works on the kidneys with its antidiuretic hormone effect, 
Sure, maybe, but it's never been studied before. And and yeah. I think that actually what helps when you're doing that is that you're not drinking alcohol while you're drinking water. So, you know, you're getting full with oh. liquid. I think a lot of the times, and I'm talking for personal experience, that I've gotten significantly drunk. Sometimes I was just thirsty. So I didn't really, <laughs> like, you know, you don't call, if you're drinking a cocktail or a beer or something delicious that it's sweet, you're just like, Meh, like you just drinking like it was water. But if you have a glass of water at the, at the side, instead of drinking two glasses of alcohol, you're drinking one of alcohol and one of water. So you're diminishing the amount of alcohol that you will possibly be drinking, I think. Yeah, so you're talking about pacing yourself causes you to have a lower overall volume of alcohol. Hmm. Sure, that's a good idea, too. <laughs> We're very smart, right, Ryan? We're giving you all the right <laughs> ideas. But wait, I think the conclusion in, in that specific thing, because this is the most common thing that people say, like, so hangovers are not being dehydrated. That's not an accepted theory. It So... The problem is there are lots of things that go into a hangover and dehydration might be one of them. And, and like congeners might be one of them. One other thought is what's called prostaglandins. So that, that is something that relates to inflammatory changes or inflammation in the body. And so the thought is, well, if I take an anti-inflammatory, maybe I'll help with my hangover. And there is good evidence that that does work. So there have been quite a few studies coming out of Europe that have looked at anti-inflammatory medications. Now, these go by names like loxaprofen and, and uh, tolfimic acid, which are not available in the United States, but we do have ibuprofen and we do have things like Aleve. And so in these studies that came out of Europe, these were randomized controlled trials that took people, got them drunk, and then gave them an anti-inflammatory and, and tried to see what happened the next morning. And sure enough, the headaches were better the next morning, although there are other effects from hangovers besides the headaches, but that might be something. So maybe it's an inflammatory change. And if, if you were to take ibuprofen the night before and the morning of after your, so the night before while you're drinking and then the morning of with your hangover, maybe that might make things better too. But did I hear, did I hear like a little secret hidden in all of that, Ryan? Is it possible that if I, I fly over to London and I see my friend Michael Sager and then we go to the, the, the pharmacy and uh, we get a the the little chartreuse you can only get in pharmacies at uh, in in London. But then B, we pick up some loxoprofen. Is that like some kind of secret hangover cure that nobody's telling us about? I'm not sure how secret it is. It's in a easily if, a locatable randomized controlled trial that you can find. But, through but you PubMed, just said so. that you can't get it in the U.S. Well, that's because it's a not an improved medication over here, but closely related is going to be ibuprofen, and I can't imagine it being any different. But then why isn't it here if it is if it isn't different? That seems odd to me. What am I missing? I don't know. Maybe I think you're hiding who, a miracle cure from me. <laughs> the FDA is, is quite expensive to get through. So if loxaprofen is going to be a generic medication, which I don't know if it is, but if it is, I can't imagine a manufacturer wanting to go through a U.S. FDA approval process. Oh, okay. <laughs> so then if that's not it, what is the miracle cure? Yeah, so there are a couple of things that besides medications and besides water consumption may help. So one thing is called Korean pear juice and that oh, has been studied. Okay. okay if you, yeah. I'm sorry. Keep going. Cause I've got a theory about this now, but keep going. All right. So that is something that has also been studied in a small group of people. So it was, it was 14 young, healthy men who were given almost half a liter of 20% alcohol by volume so you? and then given Korean pear juice and saw that the next day their headache were their head, both headache and concentration were better 
than placebo. So Korean pear juice, that is something that so, maybe helps. So if if we're drinking cocktails that are made with Korean pear juice, it's like Korean pear juice and bacchanora. Yeah. Like, does that, if you drink it as part of a cocktail, does it still do the job? So in this particular study, these participants were given the Korean pear juice separately from the alcohol. So so we don't again, know. Yeah, you're, you're extrapolating something that was not tested. So maybe, maybe you have Korean pear juice and tequila and, and that'll be your drink for the night. And maybe and, that might and help. May, may I just like ask, because uh, is Korean pear juice like a thing that is coming in the United States? Because I've never heard no. of it. So, huh? so you'd have to go to a specialty Asian market to pick that up. And I can guarantee you Korean pear juice is not going to be available in, in any of the mass supermarket chains that we typically find here in the United yeah, States. Yeah, because I, I lived in Korea for, for three months and I never got across Korean pear juice. Like I, I cannot recall a moment where that was offered to me. Because <laughs> everybody was out drinking the night before. By the time you got to the grocery store, it was all gone, Java. Is it a specific pear then? It's like specific to Korea, Ryan? Like we don't I, we don't have the pear here? Yeah, I, I have the scientific name, so I can we can put that on the show notes later. So if, if someone wants to try to look this up and see if they can buy this and purchase this and, and find it. Maybe this is the miracle we're them. looking for, Lou. Maybe this, <laughs> this is, is gonna make a government road trip rich and influenced. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so so Korean pear juice, what else you got for us, Ryan? Yeah. So red ginger was another again a small study, twenty five men given red ginger or placebo. Red and ginger and the red ginger. Yeah, red ginger. Not so red ginseng? No, not ginseng. Red ginger. Oh. So that was one. Another was, uh, let's see, there's something called an oriental raisin tree. Maybe <laughs> it'll help. So, well, hang on a second. Now it yeah. sounds to me like you're talking about fantasy stuff. I mean, A. No, no. No, I mean, there's no tree that grows raisins. They grow grapes. What the hell is an oriental <laughs> raisin tree? I thought, I thought like, we don't, like, Asian. Aren't we supposed to say Asian raisin tree and not oriental now? That That is the name that is given to it. And you can... You can buy this online as a powder form, so huh. may, loving and it's going to cost you 20 to $30 to get it shipped to you internationally, but maybe that is one thing that you can try and see if maybe that helps. Look, well, so far it's sounding like a really good cocktail. You got ginger, you got raisins, you got pears. What else are we putting in the cocktail? Yeah, so that's that's all I got for you for right now, and then maybe chase that with an ibuprofen and a full glass of water, and, and maybe that'll help. What... What used to, or what I still sometimes see advertised is B-complex vitamins, particularly thiamine. Oh, yeah. Madonna used to get shots of that in her butt. What? Yeah. So here's here's the thing about B-complex vitamins. One is you're eating them in your diet all the time. And so I can't imagine why you would need to take extra thiamine to to try to offset whatever hangover you're going to get. I can't imagine you you, uh, being so thiamine deficient unless you're a true alcoholic. Because mm-hmm. what thiamine does is it helps take acetate. So if you if you drink ethanol, it goes through a, a series of trying to get broken down by the body. It goes through alcohol dehydrogenase, then aldehyde dehydrogenase, and then finally the Krebs cycle. So thiamine is needed for the Krebs cycle to fully break down alcohol or fully break down really any any sugar for that matter. And if you're severely thiamine deficient, like some alcoholics are, that causes a whole world of problems. But for the casual drinker who's going to get drunk on a Friday and then have a hangover on a Saturday, I can't imagine that taking extra thiamine is going to help in that case. Okay. 
I can see it. And and you know why? Like, and and I just want to go back to all these. Uh, it, the, the fact that all these studies have been in, like, uh, from uh, from what I can see in Asian contexts, because I remember going to Japan to the to the OXO to the seven. Well, they don't have OXOs in Japan, right? But in the Seven Eleven, and they will have a whole counter, a whole counter with hangover remedies. And they will have like little kidneys, like little cartoons of kidneys. And they will have stuff like ginseng and like stuff like, I mean, of course, my, my like my kanji reading is not great. So I, I couldn't understand what the hell. So do you think that it's just that they have been more proactive in trying to come up with hangover cures because uh, for some reason they're like see more commercial potential about that? Or uh, maybe yes, they, yeah. their universities are more open to it. Like, well, what's that? Yeah, I have a couple of theories, and I don't I don't know if any of these are any accurate, but one is the high prevalence of alcohol dehydrogenase deficiency that's in southeastern Asian populations. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have more episodes of hangovers and just feeling just sick after drinking any amount of alcohol just from that alcohol dehydrogenase deficiency. So you might have a whole culture trying to find ways to remedy that hangover as a result of just having such a large population of people. The other thing is... I don't know how strict advertising is in countries like Korea and Japan versus the United States. Mm. So here you're going to get, if you're a manufacturer, you're going to get into a lot of trouble real quick. If you say on your product, this cures a hangover and you don't have any evidence to back that well, up. What about if you mm. put a happy kidney on it? Happy kidney? Yeah, like, like ha ha happy kidney, happy liver. No, like... <laughs> that That might work. So there are exceptions to the Food and Drug Administration. The FDA does not recommend, does not do, uh, does not regulate supplements. And so if you're claiming this is a supplement that is good for your kidneys, maybe you can get away with advertising it as such. Oh, okay. So, so we need to wrap up. Uh, but, you know, one last question in all of this, uh, Ryan, is... Yeah. If somebody is an alcoholic, I mean, like seriously yeah. an alcoholic, um, are they going to have, like, how do you drink every night and get drunk and wake up in the morning with a hangover? Is, like, my theory has always been that people who are alcoholics don't have the same prevalence toward the hangover that somebody who's not would have. So that is one theory. So we talked about things like, alcohol dehydrogenase and alcohol dehydrogenase. There are also certain taste receptors in the tongue. So all that goes into what an alcoholic's effect is from nightly drinking every night. And so maybe they just don't experience hangovers anymore. There, you, there's a phrase called the hair of the dog, which is when someone has a hangover, they drink, they wake up the next morning and then keep drinking to try to get rid of that hangover. That also does not work. Things like caffeine does mm -hmm. not help. Mm -hmm. So... Maybe, maybe their just physiology is built differently that they don't experience the, the bad effects from acute alcohol drinking. And so they just keep on drinking and drinking and drinking. Got it. Mm. And, 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 and I, like, I know we're trying to wrap up, but now you just mentioned something that I actually read about before that some people think that hair of the dog could be useful in terms of that maybe what it's giving you the hangover is more methanol intoxication than ethanol intoxication. And the best way to, to fight back a methanol intoxication is through ethanol. And they're like, uh, and therefore maybe that is something that might help you with your hangover. Or it's just that you get a new boss and, and you feel like less miserable. So that's a good idea. I haven't heard that before. You're right, Chava, that the treatment for methanol poisoning 
used to be ethanol. Mm. And as crazy as that sounds, that if someone got methanol poisoning, they'd show up to a hospital and the treatment was to start getting them drunk off of alcohol. <laughs> we have better ways to treat that now, but that's a good is idea. It, is it leeches? Are leeches the way to treat it now? No, 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 no. Oh. There's something called fomepazole, which is a medication that specifically drops, uh, blocks alcohol dehydrogenase to prevent that methanol from becoming formic acid. And so that, uh, but the other thing that blocks alcohol dehydrogenase is ethanol. And so if you, if you get methanol poisoning, the treatment used to be, now it's time for you to get drunk off of something like whiskey and just wait it out to try to prevent you from getting the effects of the methanol toxicity. Hmm. Yeah, so... I mean, like, I think the most fascinating thing about this, and, and I guess this, this I want it to be my conclusion, is that for something that is so prevalent in the world, for something that affects so many people so many times in their lives, there hasn't been a ton of careful research. And even considering the amount of money that a company could do, if they were able to find something that will just lower significant, like just lower the hangover by 25%, let's say, I don't think enough efforts have been, have been done to target this specific theme. Do you find it crazy, Ryan? Like it doesn't like box your mind? Like, like Yeah. You, you think if there is a hangover cure that could potentially work and make a company rich, they would be filing all sorts of patents and performing all sorts of clinical trials to show that they're, uh, their caffeine B complex vitamin ibuprofen mixture with ginger and and Korean pear juice all in one is going to prevent people from getting a hangover. My my theory is it's because of Denny's. Denny's has been lobbying against anybody <laughs> putting the money into the research, and so they're being blocked. All of the government institutions are blocking that research because Denny's wants to grand slam that hangover out of you. That's my theory. <laughs> that's a lovely. And I one. guess Maybe so. I guess that's is that a wrap. Is that well, a wrap? I could say barbacoa, maybe the barbacoa council. Oh, I guess they don't there, have Denny's in Mexico, do yeah, they? Yeah, <laughs> it's the barbacoa council uh, trying to block all research into hangover. Nice. <laughs> That's a wrap. Okay, we will catch you in a few more weeks. Uh, cocktail, I was going to call you Dr. Cocktail. Can I, I'll just call you Doctail. It's much easier on my, on my mouth. <laughs> okay. Sure. Thanks, thanks for joining us, Ryan. Thank you. Hasta pronto. Thank you very much. Adiosito. Bye. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. A Gabby Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the Food 
world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.